It's that time again. That's right. Instant analysis returns with the opening day of fall camp 2019 for the Alabama Crimson Tide. It is very nice inside here at Coleman Coliseum. I can tell you outside, it is classic, classic conditions for fall camp. Steamy, we've had some passing showers in the area, so you've got some humidity in the air, good bit of humidity in the air. You've got temperatures somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 degrees, so it's feeling even warmer than it actually is out there right now on a Friday afternoon in Tuscaloosa and the Crimson Tide's back at it. Inside here in Coleman Coliseum, they're set up for graduation. That's right, it's graduation weekend coming up for the summer semesters at UA. So uh, we're getting ready for some, some young people to venture out in the real world. As for Alabama's football world, uh, in there for the media viewing periods today, really no huge surprises in terms of player attendance. You had heard in the last few days that Miller Forstall, uh, the fourth year tight end, uh, had sustained an injury uh, to a lower extremity over the summer and required surgery and could be missing for the early stages of fall camp. That was the case. We didn't see Miller Forstall, the tight end out there. We also did not see, or at least I did not see, LeBrian Ray, the third year defensive end, the junior defensive end, expected to step up into a starting role for the 2019 season. So no real surprises from that standpoint. We did see uh, a dozen or so newcomers. We'll get into some of that as well as we move throughout the opening edition of instant analysis for this fall camp. We'll probably go position by position. That's the best thing I know how to do in this situation, just take you around the Crimson Tide. Before you ask, we didn't really get to see the kickers, or I didn't see much of the kickers. Um, they're on the far field. Uh, so as far as place kicking and punting, uh, I did see uh, before practice, I did see Skylar DeLong um, and Thomas Fletcher, one of the long snappers, so I can vouch for their whereabouts today. Um, but otherwise, we'll go position by position, kind of take you around Alabama uh, in this team. As you expect, the uh, four primary scholarship quarterbacks out there today were Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Mac Jones, uh, Talia Tonga-Vailoa, and also Paul Tyson. What we saw were three of the quarterbacks together, that being both the Tonga-Vailoas and also Mac Jones. Paul Tyson was with the other group of quarterbacks, um, so that was sort of the breakdown. Uh, as far as running backs go, we saw everyone we anticipated season seeing, although Chadarius Townsend, who had worked at running back in the spring, was with the wide receivers during the individual periods of today's practice. Of course, you've added Keelan Robinson, who, by the way, didn't look like he was feeling the effects of an injury sustained uh, in high school. He looked to be pretty much good to go out there today. Uh, we also saw another anticipated newcomer in Trey Sanders, another position that when we're out there, if Alabama is outside, they're going to be the farthest position away from us. When Alabama's inside, works out nicely as far as viewing running backs because they're the first thing we see when we enter the indoor facility. But all those guys were accounted for to go along with Najee Harris and Brian Robinson, two guys that even at a distance looks like they've had really good off seasons. You know, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson already physically, they impressed you really the day they showed up on campus a couple of years ago, but they certainly have taken on even more of a look of a future NFL back in both situations. Wide receivers, again, we talked about Chadarius Townsend being with those guys. Otherwise, about what you would expect there. Um, with the big four from a year ago on campus, John Mechie, uh, the newcomer joining that mix, to go along with the likes of Xavier Williams, 
uh, Tyrell Shavers, uh, so no huge surprises there. Tight end, as we mentioned, no Miller Forrestall, so the first tight end up that I saw was Major Tennyson. Um, had some injury issues back in the spring, as we know Major Tennyson did. He was out there today. Looked like he might have been sporting a strap, um, but he was first guy up. Um, Cam Latou was the second tight end in drills today. Cam Latou has changed numbers. He's gone from 20 to 81. Um, and then you had Michael Parker, um, uh, Giles Amos, uh, a walk-on, uh, and about what you would expect. Joel Billingsley, a newcomer, wearing number 19 from Chicago, Illinois, joining that group too. So it's going to be a, a question mark as we move throughout the first couple of weeks of camp. It appears with Forrestall's situation, and it looks like early on, and this wasn't a surprise, really, uh, if you connect the dots a little bit, a healthy Major Tennyson to go along with Cameron Latou, at least early in camp, makes a lot of sense at those top two spots at tight end. Now, offensive line, uh, you got 16 offensive linemen, scholarship offensive linemen right now. And the newest addition to that, um, Landon Dickerson. You know, we were going to talk about guys that maybe you could tell had had a good run through the offseason program. Well, I really hadn't seen Landon Dickerson, obviously, on a practice field because Landon Dickerson had spent the three previous seasons at Florida State. Landon Dickerson is mammoth. And I'm talking about a guy who is 6'6", 305, 308, um, and just on looks. And we know that even early on, he was a highly recruited kid out of high school. Alabama was in the mix at that time. Um, it's turned out that he's going to be in Tuscaloosa. Landon Dickerson, just in terms of first guy on the bus potential, um, first guy off the bus potential, uh, he's that dude. He's that dude. Landon Dickerson, very impressive to look at. We'll see how it plays out. But, you know, Alex Leatherwood, obviously, at left tackle. Uh, Jedrick Wills looks like he had a really good run through the offseason. So did Leatherwood. Uh, Chris Owens was first up at center. Darian Dahlcourt looks like he may be in a position, kind of anticipated that this might happen with Darian Dahlcourt, the early enrollee from the spring. He might be in a position to certainly make a run uh, at the two deep. Uh, and we'll see how it goes from there. Chris Owens, with all the experience, no surprise to see him first up at center. We did see um, – we did see everybody else. Deontay Brown obviously didn't have the end to the 2018 season that he would like. Uh, to my eye, uh, it looked like everybody else was about what you would expect. Matt Womack, the veteran, was out there. Um, but again, the guy that really captured your attention, or at least mine anyway, just and it's I'm sure it's because he's new. I thought Evan Neal, too, an early enrollee from the spring, looked like he'd had a really nice offseason um, as well. But... Um, yeah, Landon Dickerson looks like he uh, can certainly play the part. And he's a guy that, yes, he was primarily a, tackle, primarily a tackle when he headed to Florida State, but he is a guy with all that competition at the interior spots. Perhaps you see him uh, very much in that mix for one of those guard positions uh, that the competition is uh, very much up for right now. Defensive line, you had some new additions out there. Got some video of Byron Young at the end of media viewing periods. I'll have that for you coming up a little bit later on BamaOnline.com. Expected that Byron Young would look the part at 6'3", 295, and he certainly did. Um, with no LeBron Ray out there, the first three defensive linemen we saw in drills were Raekwon Davis, um, DJ Dale in the middle, and uh, Justin Boyby, 
who you talk about. I thought Justin Aboyby looked SEC ready in the spring. Uh, he only looks even more that way uh, after a run through uh, the offseason program, full run through the offseason program with Scott Cochran. So that was kind of how it stacked up at first. You had a second group with Stefan Wynn. Um, you had Tavita Musica in there. You had Antonio Alfano. Braylon Ingram is a newcomer who was sporting a hamstring strap and what looked to be a shoulder harness. So we'll see how his health holds up as he goes through his first fall camp at the University of Alabama. Also in that mix, Fedarian Mathis, Christian Barmore. Um, that's kind of what we saw. Ishmael Softshire, another newcomer. Now that's a big, big dude. And the challenge for him, like it is so many young defensive linemen, especially the bigger dudes, it's hot. It's hot. And you just can't simulate the tempo that Alabama works at. And the big guys, more so than anyone else out there, are going to be thankful for the cryotherapy city that head trainer Jeff Allen has basically put together for this team for breaks or after practice. I mean, we just had ice tubs a couple of years ago. Now we've got cryotherapy tents uh, at the facility. But yeah, that'll be something to watch with Softshire, um, Byron Young, Braylon Ingram. They didn't have the benefit of a spring practice to sort of adjust to, again, the tempo of practice at Alabama and how that flows and how that works. So that's likely their biggest challenge early on. At outside linebacker, you knew it, Ayabi Anoma, not a part of this football team any longer. We did see a newcomer in King Mwekuda. I hope I'm getting that right. Has that sort of classic outside linebacker look. Looks to be 6'3", 6'4", long, um, athletic, uh, similar to Kevin Harris, the early enrollee uh, that we saw back in the spring. And you know, Kevin Harris listing at 222 pounds now. I think Makuta is probably a little bit heavier than Kevin Harris, but uh, both those guys pretty similar in terms of where they're at in their physical development. The first couple of guys up about what you would expect with Anoma no longer a part of things. You had Anthony Jennings, you had Terrell Lewis, you had Christopher Allen. Lewis and Allen looked to be moving without any issue. And while we were out there anyway, I didn't see either with a knee brace or a support of any kind. Um, they were rolling without any assistance from, again, uh, bracing or anything like that. So Drez Parks was also sort of next up with that group of Allen, uh, actually Jennings, Lewis, uh, and some of those guys. So that's your, your core right now of outside linebackers, your candidates with uh, Noma out of the mix. Now, uh, inside linebacker got a glimpse of uh, Christian Harris, the true freshman from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Another guy that physically looks to play the part. I did get some video of the inside linebackers for you, so you will see him for yourself coming up in just a little bit. But physically very impressive. You know that his background in high school, this is a guy, despite being 6'3", 6'4", 230 pounds or so, played some corner uh, in high school. Kind of reminiscent of Dante Hightower coming out of high school uh, in 2008. Dante Hightower was sort of that freakish big dude uh, at the high school level up in Tennessee. Well, Harris kind of looks like that guy. We'll see how he comes along. I thought Ali Cahoe and Jalen Moody, the two second-year linebackers, looked like they had really good off-seasons. Um, to me, at least, Cahoe looked like he had added some muscle. You know, he's kind of got that body type, athletic, a little longer than what you're used to seeing from an inside linebacker, not as compact or squat, uh, but it looked like both. And Shane Lee, too. I thought Shane Lee looked good. But the two guys up first in that group, still 
Dylan Moses, obviously, and then you had Josh McMillan next um, before you got into Markel Benton and Shane Lee and, and those guys. So the competition certainly uh, looks to be intense for that inside linebacker spot opposite of Dylan Moses. Now, as for cornerbacks, that was interesting because we weren't quite sure, cornerbacks and safeties, we weren't quite sure how some of these guys were going to get their start, you know. Was Jordan Battle going to be with the corners? Was he going to be with the safeties? What we saw while we were out there was Jordan Battle with the safeties. Brandon Turnage, kind of the same type of guy. Brandon Turnage we saw with the safeties. Uh, excuse me, the corners. Brandon Turnage with the corners. Jordan Battle with the safeties. Um, DeMarco Ellums, the true freshman uh, from up in the D.C. area, we saw with the safeties as well. They were sort of at a distance from a Shaheem Carter. You know, we've wondered about how that situation opposite Xavier McKinney might play out. Well, today anyway, we saw Shaheem Carter. Not a surprise there. The expectation has been that he will be in that mix uh, in the top couple of players at the safety position. So corner was about what you would expect. The top two guys, Patrick Sertan the second, Trayvon Diggs, both out there moving well, looking good. Um, and, and then the, 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 the group after that, you know, Marcus Banks, a newcomer, um, we saw in there Josh Job, um, Scooby Carter. So about what you would expect um, from a roster standpoint, but just wanted to go position by position with you, give you a few thoughts as we move around this version of the Crimson Tide. Going to have fan day tomorrow, media day. Going to have the open practice at Bryant-Denny Stadium, so we'll learn a lot more from that. But if you have any questions before we get out of here, on day one of Fall Camp 2019, uh, we'll get to them. What do you got for me, gang? Good to see all you folks back. Anything? Don't be shy. Trip Bennett checking in from Venice Beach, Florida. I wish I was you right now, Trip. You know, beachside, probably getting that Gulf breeze down there. Venice is Gulf side, right? I don't know. Getting a question about Trey Sanders and whether or not he will be the third back. I think the expectation is that he will certainly vie um, heavily uh, in that race. Um, you know, of course, you, you've got a returning back there to go along with Najee Harrison, Brian Robinson, and Jerome Ford. Keelan Robinson comes in with those two guys coming in. As we talked about earlier, Chadarius Townsend able to go and work with the wide receivers again. So, look, Trey Sanders is a five-star five guy. He's got the dynamic attributes of a five-star guy. I think he can bring them something maybe a little bit different in his style of play. Keelan Robinson, very much the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Trey Sanders will have every opportunity to be sort of in that mix to go along with Najee Harris and, and Brian Robinson. And Brian Robinson's flexibility and what he can do as a back makes that a, a, even more of a possibility because Brian Robinson, you know, he can be the second back, but that doesn't mean he can't be on the field without one of the other guys. More so than any back Alabama has, you can take Brian Robinson and put him out there with Najee Harris. You can put him out there with Trey Sanders or Jerome Ford, Keelan Robinson, and he can do some things that can help you both as a running back, but then sort of as a hybrid as well. We've seen them do that with him in previous years, use him as sort of an offset fullback H. Um, and with the situation you've got right now at tight end, you know, that may become even more attractive to offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. You know, Tua Isabelle, he looked good 
out there to me. You know, he talked about losing some weight. Tua's got one of those body types that he's a guy that, because he's thick, you know, he's going to lose five pounds, eight, ten pounds, and it's hard to tell. But he looked good. He was moving well. And, um, you know, the hamstring that was talked about uh, over the summer months, at least while we were out there, didn't really see that from Tua today. No more tomorrow, obviously. Freshman tank that stand out, you know, we saw so many of these guys in the spring that it's kind of hard to pick one or two out of the 12 or so. And we didn't really get a close-up look at a lot of these guys like Trey Sanders uh, or Keelan Robinson at the running back position. Uh, Jalil Billingsley, we saw a little bit of it tight end. Um, I still go back to that defensive line, and I think Byron Young, who I spoke about earlier, just in terms of physical attributes, this is a guy that's going to have a chance um, as a newcomer. I, Christian Harris, got an up-close look at him. Has everything you look for physically uh, in a linebacker. Can he get up to speed with the nuances of linebacker play, which he really hasn't done much uh, in the past? That's going to be the question there. I thought King Wakuda uh, at Jack Linebacker certainly looks the part of what they like. Uh, at that position. So those would probably be a couple of three guys that I had the opportunity to really see kind of up close. A lot of these guys, you know, I didn't get to see like that today. Tim's asking about the two deep at tight end and H-back. Today, if if I had to go on it and going back to what I talked about at that position, I would say Major Tennyson and Cam Latou. That's without Miller Forrestall right now. Miller Forrestall's out there. I think it's Forrestall, and then you're looking at either Tennyson or Latou. Ja'Cory asking if I'm comfy with MLB. You talking Major League Baseball? Are we talking the Braves? We're talking about that trades for those three relievers? Yeah, I'm comfortable with what the Braves did. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's actually talking about middle linebacker. Um, no, you're totally comfy with your starter there and Dylan Moses. What you're not comfortable with, if you're Pete Golding, is – Who's next? God forbid something happens to Dylan Moses. Um, but you got to get that weak side linebacker position figured out as well. Uh, Josh McMillan looks really good. I mean, in terms of everything it looks like he could have done to prepare himself for this, his final opportunity, it looks like Josh McMillan has done that. So I think he gets the first crack, but then Shane Lee comes into the mix. A couple second-year guys are in that as well, along with Markel Benton. Let's see, what else do we have? I'm missing some of these. They're scrolling through pretty quickly, so I need to speed up the answers is what that means, right? Yeah, I talked about, Tim, I talked about Evan Neal earlier. It looked like he had a, a nice run. He, he impressed me in the spring, though. You know, he, he, you know, you could tell he still had a little work to do, but he impressed me, um, and he looked good today. The Sunseri effect I'm being asked about. You know, we were laughing about that out there today, Charlie Potter and myself. And uh, Sal's got his own language, you know, out there on the practice field. I call it uh, Sunserinese is the language that Sal speaks. It's his very own. Uh, but he's a hoot. Uh, maybe not so much for the players at times, but for us while we're out there. Sal doesn't have, like, media viewing period Sal and then – post-media viewing Sal. It's just Sal all the time. I love it. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can see where 
nothing goes overlooked. I mean, he goes through every possible situation and every little detail when it comes to fundamentals at the position. He coaches you. You know, if you, if you play for Sal, you're going to get coached. If you don't like getting coached, that's probably not the guy you want to play with or play for. He, he's, and he's going to do it with some volume a good bit of the time. Jamarcus, we'll find out about Raekwon Davis. I mean, he looks great again. Uh, I haven't seen really Raekwon Davis at any point in his Alabama career not look like, you know, he could be a first-round pick at some point. So, you know, for him, I think with the uh, with the NFL people, it's this year needs to be about production. You know, he had the one year where he had the production that the next level's looking for a couple seasons ago. Last year, not so much. Although I'll, I'll contend, Raquan Davis, just because his numbers weren't great, wasn't a, a, a big piece. You didn't see Raquan Davis get benched last year. Put it that way. So you know, obviously, you'd like to see the production go up. Problem for Raquan probably early is that he is going to see the double teams. You know, until DJ Dale emerges and kind of provides some Quinnen Williams and Deron Payne like. Uh, disruption there on the inside and LeBron Ray and that other defensive end spot. Um, those guys are going to have a lot of one-on-ones. Um, but but Raekwon looks great. Alfred, the uh, kicking game is to be determined. I think the return game is going to be fine. You know, Jalen Waddle coming back as a punt return guy who averaged 14 plus per attempt. Uh, the potential of Henry Ruggs, if he is the guy, is the primary kickoff returner. Um, but kicking the football, obviously, you know that's that's still what is in that sort of category of need to see it before you believe it. So with Skylar DeLong, Joseph Bullivis, and then Will Reichard kind of bridging the gap at both those spots, we'll see how it plays. It's to be determined. The best way I know how to describe it. Wayne, we didn't see the secondary lined up. You know, in a unit while we were out there, they were broken down into corners and safeties. So nothing really to note there as far as competition at, say, the safety position. Um, we did see Shy Carter, Daniel Wright, um, Jordan Battle, Xavier McKinney, Jared Maiden, Eddie Smith, DeMarco Ellums, all those guys with the safeties. And then the corners, uh, Brandon Turnage, the newcomer, was over there with those guys to go along with Sertan Diggs. Scooby Carter, um, Jalen Armour Davis, by the way, he was coming off that knee injury. It looked like he was moving really. Jalen Armour Davis looked really good out there. So nothing to report in terms of alignment. Joel, um, you know, I thought in the spring that, that this staff looked like uh, it wasn't going to be a problem from that standpoint, you know. The grind of a season does, does sort of reveals everything, though. So... Every team in the country right now, regardless of how many staff changes they've had, feel like, man, this staff is really together. You find out a lot more as you roll through a season and you get towards the end and perhaps opportunities start to come about for certain guys on your staff. And then the challenge becomes, can everybody at that point, you know, maintain that cohesion? Sounds like based on what we've heard from Nick Saban since really January, that uh, that was a struggle for Alabama, so we'll see. You know, I do think this, and this is a question about in-game adjustments on the defensive side of the ball, 
the thing I do think is that I don't get the sense from Nick Saban that there are maybe as many question marks in terms of uh, you know how the the chain of command is going to work this year on the defensive side of the ball because you know Pete Golding is obviously the guy as the defensive coordinator. The good news is in the secondary you got a guy like Charles Kelly now comes in he has that experience um, to work with Carl Scott uh, back there but can also um, help bridge that gap between the back end and the front seven with Golding. Um, yeah, I, you know, South Sanceri has coordinator experience. So uh, I just think that it's probably a good bit more streamlined in terms of how this is going to play. You're not going to go into the season opener and kind of have an oh crap moment like Alabama seemed to have uh, last year. You know, Justin, Mac Jones. The best way to sum it up, and I've always gotten this sense from Mac Jones, um, even when he didn't necessarily perform like it, is that confidence is not an issue for this dude. You know, there's some guys that come to a place like this and, you know, through high school they're the guy and they have that swag and they walk the walk and they say all the right things, but then you put them out there and, and you don't know, you know, if it's all exactly there. But, you know, when you watch the quarterbacks out there right now, Mac Jones carries himself and performs like a guy really should going into his third fall camp. And that's what Mac Jones is doing right now. Uh, it almost feels like he was a year or two behind Tua. He was in the same class with Tua. So he's experienced pretty much everything that Tua has in going through a variety of offensive coordinators, as we've seen, three and three for both those guys. Um, but Mac Jones was – his, where my confidence comes with Mac Jones as much as anything is I know where he comes from. It always goes back to that for me. I know at the base level where he was developed, even before he got here. And so that gives me confidence that, that in terms of intangibles and also, again, not being overwhelmed by the stage, that he can handle that. And he, he looks like that kind of guy. Right now he looks like he's next guy up behind Tua. Jeff, I don't think uh, I don't think Sark's just going to hand it off. I think there's a lot of Alabama fans that want Alabama to get back to just handing it off. But with those receivers and that quarterback and a couple of really good offensive tackles, um, I think they're still going to throw it around a good bit. I, I, you know, I don't think they're going to be. Here's the here's the thing. They're not going to be 40 passes a game. They're going to be balanced. They're going to try to be balanced. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to be balanced when you got four wide receivers that average 17, 18, 19 yards a catch, and you're chunking people to death. You're not dinking in three yards in a cloud of dust, people. You're explosive play after explosive play. And I don't care what your base philosophy is. When you have that type of personnel, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. When you can shred people, you shred them. And... I don't think Sark is, you know, I think the running game may have a different look to it, but that'll be probably more so because of maybe personnel. Um, but first and foremost, they're going to want to hammer on people, you know, between the tackles, and they're going to have the big backs to do that. Um, and I think in time, the offensive line will be, you know, good enough to do that. But, um, you know, they're not going to be run and shoot at the University of Houston in the uh, mid to late 80s. 
but they're going to run it. The key is going to be, can they be efficient when they do run it? You know, their yards per carry was down last year by about a half yard from the two previous years. Now, the two previous years, they had a quarterback that they ran a lot. Last year, they didn't run the quarterback. And so I think that impacted that number. 5.2 per carry still isn't bad. Um, but I'm sure they would like to get that back up to 5.7, 5, 5.8. 5, and as much as anything, when it comes time to finish games, basically shorten games and get the hell out of here, that's when they want to be able to run it. You know, four-minute offense, second half, control the game, and uh, control the clock and get out. Uh, I didn't see as much of Judy and the receivers today. What I did see, they looked fine. All right, gang, we're about to wrap it up here on the debut edition of Instant Analysis for 2019 Fall Camp. As always, we appreciate you joining us here on the segments. Uh, we'll have another one for you, we hope anyway, to have one for you following fan day practice at Bryant-Denny Stadium tomorrow afternoon here in Tuscaloosa. Hopefully weather will leave us alone. They'll get that practice in, and if they do, we'll plan to join you from Bryant Denny later tomorrow afternoon. Keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. We've got practice video coming up. Charlie Potter's practice report, I'm sure, is up by now. Um, Kirk McNair uh, covering things for you, the veteran as well on staff. Dinon McMillan with photos. So we've got you locked and loaded, and there's still a lot of recruiting news to keep up with from Hank South and Tim Watts as well. So we've got you. We've got you through the weekend. Welcome to the 2019 college football season. Look forward to talking to you again real soon.